Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, welcome everybody. Um, welcome to a um, AWL online discussion. We have been hosting these. There are several a week. Um, you will probably have seen them on our website. Um, we've got a like whole. Uh, plethora of content um, around socialism and socialist discussion. Um, today we're going to talk a bit about Stalinism. Um, Dan Randall, who introduced himself, uh, is going to give us a sort of introduction uh, to uh, the ABCs of Marxism and in particular around Stalinism. So I'll get him to sort of come in for about 15 minutes. Um, I wanted to start uh, by letting you all know that it's the first night of uh, Pesach tonight, which is uh, Passover. And for those that aren't aware, that's the Jewish festival which commemorates and tells the story of the liberation and exodus of Hebrew slaves from bondage in uh, Pharaonic Egypt. Uh, now, the scholarly consensus is that this story has little, if any, historical basis, but it occupies a very powerful and symbolic position in Jewish culture. Um, now, there's a long and rich tradition within Jewish leftism of appropriating, repurposing and subverting, often iconoclastically and irreverently, the themes, customs, and practices of religious holidays and rituals for radical secular ends. So um, in a small nod to that tradition, I wanted to start my talk tonight by connecting the task we've set ourselves for this discussion, which is deepening our understanding and analysis of Stalinism uh, to the emancipatory themes of the festival of Pesach. Um, now, this is particularly fitting, I think, because Stalinism uh, at the level of socio-economic organization has often featured forced, indentured, or even enslaved labor, sometimes on a mass scale. Uh, and if we take Stalinism as a model for what a so-called socialist society might be like, then we can all look forward to a radical, almost total contraction of freedom and a huge expansion of the coercive power of oppressive authority in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, I don't think that's the vision that anyone really gets into socialist politics to promote. And yet that is the kind of society that is being promoted when the USSR historically or North Korea or China or even in a somewhat softer form Cuba are elevated as models to aspire to. Um, Workers' Liberty, the organisation hosting this meeting and which most of us on this call are members or supporters of, not, not all of us obviously, but, but most of us, uh, it is a, a multi-purpose instrument. But one of the fundamental, one of the most fundamental of those purposes, I think, for Workers' Liberty is to be a kind of educational campaign aimed at re-establishing what I would call the libertarian core of the socialist project. And you can tell how fundamental that purpose is to us because we put it in the name of our organization, workers' liberty, freedom, liberation, and understanding how a system based on the opposite of those things, uh, based on oppression, coercion, exploitation, even enslavement, came to be understood as socialism and confronting the ongoing ideological influence of movements based on a valorization of that system is essential if we are indeed to accomplish that task of uh, re-establishment and reconnection. So that's the tangential introduction. It may also please some comrades, particularly the comrades of the Lambeth branch, I think, to know that the Seder, which is the ceremonial meal held on the first and second nights of Pesach, uh, features the ritual consumption of fairly large amounts of alcohol. Um, so please feel free to drink along during my talk. Um, so uh, the background reading for tonight's discussion is an article from February by Martin Thomas, who's on the call, which is um, entitled, Like It or Not, Stalinism is Still a Live Force, um, which I think some uh, recommended reading was uh, included with the, the website linked to this meeting. I, I hope people have read that article. 
So I think it serves very well in, uh, in terms of being an accessible kind of introductory overview to this topic um, and, and really sets out most of the points I'd, I'd want to make in introduction. I should say I, I, I did write this talk to be relatively sort of 101 um, and I'm conscious that um, pretty much everyone on the call is um, a socialist activist of, of some years experience. So um, this might be a little elementary for you, but um, hopefully will provoke some discussion nonetheless. Um, so that article, Martin's article, which I just mentioned, offers a very succinct question uh, answer to the question uh, that titles this discussion, what is Stalinism? So I'll quote that by way of a kind of opening to the main body of my talk. So the article says, Stalinism is the best available single word for, uh, one, a form of society modelled on the stabilised version of the outcome of Stalin's counter-revolution in the once worker-ruled USSR and exemplified today only by North Korea and Cuba. Two, the ideology which sees that form of society as the good and available alternative to capitalism, usually calling it socialism. And three, the political formations shaped around that ideology. Um, Stalinism as a shorthand for a form of class society, this is me again now, I'm not quoting from the article, um, is clearly just that, a shorthand. And there are variations and uh, different kind of types uh, within it. Um, and I've sometimes encountered the argument that it's illegitimate uh, and, and lacking in explanatory value to use the word Stalinism to describe a range of quite different so-called communist countries throughout history, um, precisely because of that, you know, that, that, that range and difference. Um, it's true that uh, there are differences, but there are also key commonalities between the societies that uh, we in Workers' Liberty would refer to as Stalinist. Um, so from the article, again, there's a, a kind of helpful bullet-pointed list of what some of those key features were and are. Uh, so uh, a comprehensively state-controlled economy with state ownership of major industry oriented to competitive, uh, extensive industrial accumulation in the country or group of countries. Uh, the surplus product of workers' labor is taken by a bureaucratic state hierarchy. And the total or quasi-total uh, control by that bureaucratic hierarchy over civil society, in particular the suppression of any independent labour movement and usually the installation in its place of a state-controlled pseudo-movement and total control by that bureaucracy over politics too, or to put it another way, su suppression of politics by the state. Now Martin's article cites uh, Cuba and North Korea as the uh, contemporary expressions of that form of society, but I think we can also see those features in China as well, despite its radical orientation towards private profit, um, and to some extent in the other remaining so-called socialist countries in the Far East, like Vietnam and Laos. Um, another set of common features which we might cite, and which it might be interesting to discuss further, particularly in relation to some of the contemporary debates in the labor movement uh, and on the left, is around what we might call social questions, so questions of gender, sexuality, and so on. Uh, where Stalinist societies have tended to be profoundly conservative, often deeply oppressive towards women, in terms of valorizing the family in an extremely reactionary way, and usually violently uh, heteronormative and homophobic. I'm sure many of us, probably most of us, know about the uh, Stalinist USSR reversing the Bolsheviks' liberalizing legislation on divorce, abortion, and homosexuality, and on other issues like the death penalty. And probably most of us know about things like Cuba forcibly interning LGBT people. And again, we can see there a contraction of freedom and an extension of authoritarian power structures into every corner of social and economic life, 
and we can see how that's been really quite central to Stalinism as a socio-economic form or as a set of socio-economic forms. Um, Dan uh, Davis and Vecchioni posted in the chat, uh, presumably in jest, uh, a question about whether this discussion tonight would definitively settle the Russian question. Um, it certainly won't, and I don't really intend in my introduction to talk about um, the sort of theoretical uh, history within our political tradition about the development of the analysis of Stalinism as a form of new class society, and I don't intend to discuss the process by which the Stalinist bureaucracy inside the Communist Party in the Soviet Union initially consolidated itself into a class, but if people want to talk about that in the discussion, uh, we can. Um, what I do want to talk about uh, is the kind of political methodology and culture that characterizes Stalinist political formations, because in the list I gave at the beginning of the talk, we talked about Stalinism as a shorthand for a kind of type of society, a socioeconomic form, but also as a label for ideological formations um, organized around the valorization of those societies. And I want to move on now to talking about that latter thing. Um, so they're characterized not merely by valorizing Stalinist societies as models to emulate, but also by a particular methodology and culture, which is obviously kind of exists in sort of symbiosis with that valorization, um, which I would understand as, ha uh, which I would identify, sorry, as having um, at least the following elements. So a kind of uncritical deference to leadership, a commandist organizational structure in the sense of a very rigid, um, often quite ossified sort of priest caste of party leaders who um, hand down the uh, un uh, infallible wisdom to the um, but kind of benighted uh, masses beneath them. Um, and an emphasis on discipline uh, understood as unquestionably towing that line in, in, in that quite kind of religious way. Uh, now that list is not exhaustive and those features are clearly not exclusive to um, Stalinism. Uh, another issue we might discuss tonight is how um, that political methodology and culture functions in our contemporary labour movement now that Stalinism has been substantially deprived of the kind of city on the hill represented by the actually existing socialism as, as they saw it of, this, of this, the, the former Soviet empire. Um, it's notable that many Stalinist political formations now substitute valorization of the USSR for valorization of states and political formations that make no pretense whatsoever, even nominally, to be socialist, uh, such as Iran or Vladimir Putin's Russia. Um, Stalinism in the contemporary labor movement is incredibly diffuse. Um, it spans people who may have subconsciously assimilated one or more of its methodological traits in a fairly soft or casual way right through to kind of cultist true believers who I think it's not hyperbolic to describe as intellectually equivalent to flat earthers in their fact-resistant zeal um, and their insistence that the orthodox narrative, i.e. the narrative that Stalinism was a bad thing, um, is based on lies. You know, you see that in denial of um, the Ukrainian famine and so on. Um, the, si the size and influence of that latter type, the kind of real hardcore cultists, shouldn't be overestimated, but conversely, the influence of the softer forms of Stalinist ideology uh, shouldn't be underestimated either. So uh, what's the evidence for that influence? How does it manifest? Well, we've just come through a period in which the office of perhaps the most left-wing leader the Labour Party has um, perhaps ever had, or, or, or certainly uh, for, for many, has had for many generations, was run by two people who got their political formation in straight left, which was the most hardline Stalinist faction emerging from the collapse 
of the Communist Party. Uh, that's one example. Another example is the fact that almost every major trade union in the British Labour movement has some financial link with the Morning Star, the newspaper associated with the Communist Party of Britain, which recycles Chinese state propaganda about the oppression of the Uyghurs and hailed Bashar al-Assad's liberation of Aleppo. Um, most major unions are affiliated to the Cuba Solidarity Campaign, which is linked to the Cuban state and spend tens of thousands of pounds of their members' money on state-sponsored trips to Cuba where they participate in the official May Day Parade. Uh, now, in a way, these three examples are just kind of superficial expressions of the deeper rooting of Stalinist ideology in the seedbed of the labor movement. Um, but however one calculates the exact extent of the influence, even these things just by themselves seem to me to prove the claim that titles um, the article by Martin that I referred to, which is that like it or not, Stalinism is a live force. Um, and I think that's why discussions like this one that we're having tonight are necessary. And I'll begin to wrap up on this point. Um, I've certainly encountered the argument, including from people who aren't at all hostile to workers' liberty in a general sense, that our very emphatic uh, and foregrounded anti-Stalinism is misplaced or uh, misemphasized because Stalinism is now a mostly historical phenomenon. And it doesn't make sense for us to bang on about this thing, which is, you know, a historical artifact or relic in some sense. In reply to that, I'd say that even if it were the case that Stalinism was a historical phenomenon, a discussion like the one we're having tonight and an emphasis on anti-Stalinism would still be necessary. Even solely as a historical phenomenon, uh, Stalinism is the major world historical experience that claims the nomenclature of socialism. So for those of us interested in building a socialist future, we have to reckon with that historical fact um, and that association and the claim laid to our the the, the kind of um nomenclature and, and uh symbols of our of our movement by this other thing um but as i've discussed i think it's beyond denial or doubt that stalinism is not merely a historical phenomenon um all of us i think attempt to understand uh kind of reactionary idea systems that pervade our movement especially when those ideas are linked to systems and structures of oppression uh, whether that's homophobia, sexism, ableism, religious bigotry, whatever it might be, in order to better confront them and to enable us to better persuade those of our fellow workers who agree with them of other ideas. And I think we should do the same with Stalinism, and um, perhaps even more so because it's a reactionary ideological system which claims to be progressive and radical. Now, that comparison is not to suggest that we can just treat Stalinism as a, another form of bigotry and reaction that we encounter in our movement and in our class. I'm sure we all know comrades with more or less Stalinist politics on various issues or maybe even a wholly Stalinist worldview who are very dedicated fighters against sexism and racism and so on. The racism of the Stalinist state in the USSR, and it certainly was racist towards various of the colonized peoples throughout the Soviet empire, didn't prevent uh, many, many Communist Party militants from playing heroic roles in various anti-racist struggles. And the violent heteronormativity and homophobia of the Stalinist states didn't prevent Communist Party member Mark Ashton from founding Lesbians and Gays Support the Miners, and so on and so on, and there's many other examples we could cite. But the ideological dissonance in the politics of those people is that, despite their heroic role in liberation struggles, uh, they saw the socialist future as being on some level realised or expressed in a system that was anything but liberating. Um, and the aim of discussions like tonight is to enable us to better help our fellow workers and our movement collectively work through that dissonance 
and hopefully resolve it in favour of a politics that retains and reaffirms the commitment to liberation while eschewing the defence and valorization of what is ultimately a system of very brutal oppression. Um, so um, I'll leave it there. I've tried to kind of sketch out an answer to the question that, that titles this meeting tonight, what is Stalinism? I'll leave it to you in the discussion to fill in any gaps I've missed and to focus on really the practical question arising from all of this, which is what exactly can we do about it? Thanks very much.